It's one thing we get to do a lot of is dedicate babies because we have lots of babies. At the end of the service today, we want to pray for all the pregnant moms in this here. So if you're, if you're a pregnant mama, we want to pray for you and bless you. Um, we felt the Lord speak to us at earlier to pray for the pregnant moms. So, amen. So, um, <clears throat> okay, also I have made sure it was okay with, with the Stein family if I made reference to uh, Sophie some in my message. So, so they have given me the permission to do that. I just, again, want to let you know I'm not, I want to be real careful not to trample on people's hearts at, in delicate times. So I want to first begin this morning. We are in John chapter 11 looking at the seventh miracle of Jesus, seventh sign. And remember all these signs are in the Gospel of John to really point us to the kingdom of heaven, to reveal what heaven is and show us what the kingdom, how to see the kingdom of God in our lives. And, and there's a prayer in John chapter 11, verse 3. And go ahead and put that up there, Drew. And this is... Of course, the story of Lazarus, and many of you know this story, and, and Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, it says. It says that Jesus, um, Jesus loved him. It, that's what the Bible tells us. He loved him and loved his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Everybody knows who Mary and Martha is. Uh, you know, they're a pretty famous couple in the Bible, um, Martha being somebody who's sort of got a bad rap by a lot of Christians of being a worker in a bad way, but... Um, so they had a brother named Lazarus, and a lot of you don't know, they also had a dad named Simon the leper. He's, he's another man who turns up in the Bible in another place. Um, and of course, Mary was the one who poured the ointment on Jesus' feet. So this is a very prominent family in the Bible. And, and the Bible says that Jesus loved them both on a human level of love and on a God level of love. So... And they knew the power of God. They knew God, what God had done. And they've seen His miracles. And so here they are. Their brother Lazarus has fallen sick. And they pray to the Lord in a sense. They sent to the Lord. Of course, the Lord was there. But it says, The, the sisters sent to Him saying, Lord, behold, him, He whom you love is sick. So that's a prayer. Lord, they're sick. You know, come and do what only you can do. Heal him. And as you know the story, the Lord didn't. He delayed His coming and Lazarus died. And from their perspective, their prayer was not answered. So we have this thing that the Lord wants us to, to deal with as Christians and really understand about His kingdom. And I love uh, what one person did. They put uh, unanswered, how to deal with unanswered prayers and unanswered prayers in quotes because ultimately our prayers are always answered, maybe not the way we perceive them to be. But this is, the Lord really wants us to teach us. Even as they had the Lord, the King Himself, right there in the flesh with them, they had to deal with Him not responding to their prayers, not responding as, as you know, they desired and, and, and wanted with all their hearts. Uh, and so we're going to have to deal with that, and, we, and we've already dealt with it. And I think this is very important that we, we get a hold of these things. Um, so... Uh, the first thing I wanted to to talk to you about is is, is the uh, the issue of death. Is this is something that we as Christians we really have to face death? And I I wanted to tell you what the Bible says about death this morning, okay? Because 
It's important that we understand that. It's 1 Corinthians 15 because when we're asking the king, as, as someone asked this week, if we're asking for, we know there's no death in heaven. You know, and when we pray, your kingdom come, why do we still have death? I mean, that is a very good question. Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 25 answers that, that very question explicitly. It says, uh, speaking of Christ, he must reign till, and Christ is reigning now, today, till or until he has put all enemies under his feet. In other words, all enemies are not currently under his feet, even though all his enemies are, are currently defeated. He has just not exercised his, uh, his uh, you know, victory over them. And we were left here to exercise his authority. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. That is the last enemy that will be destroyed. In other words, death is not destroyed today. And as we, until the Lord returns, death will be something that we will have to live with until the Lord in His final, you know, when He returns, when the kingdom is totally and 100% established, then death will be done away with. There will be no death. But until that time, we have death. And we have to learn how to respond to death in appropriate ways. And so um, we know that in this story that Jesus exercised authority over death by raising Lazarus. We know there were other people in the Bible. I think there's eight or nine people in the Bible who were actually raised from the dead that we have direct re uh, reference to. You know, Jesus raised three people. He raised Jairus' daughter, who was a 12-year-old girl. He raised a young man who was the only son of a widowed mom, and he raised Lazarus who was a, a, a full-grown man. And then we know Paul resurrected a young man who had fallen asleep during one of his long messages and, and fell and, and, and it killed him. And Paul brought this young man back to life. And then we know that Peter raised a lady um, who was a saint who they called on him to come, who had died, and he brought her back. So we know the Lord's, and we know the Lord's raising the dead today. There's many documented reports in the world of people who have been raised from the dead. And I believe as we begin to enter in the end times, we will see the Lord exercising that ultimate, you know, ultimate victory over death more and more. So we have to believe that the Lord raises the dead. And that's one of the things we always try to do is, you know, when somebody passes, to really pray for the Lord to raise them because perhaps the Lord will. You know, perhaps the Lord will. So that's really, I think that's one of the things that the Lord wants us to see in this and this story is, is about death. The, the next thing the Lord wants us to really get a hold of is the question of why, okay? Because when, when something like uh, a baby, especially, and a baby that had been prayed for fervently uh, dies, those questions arise. Why did this baby die? Why, why Lord, didn't you heal this baby? What's, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> So um, I wanted to read a verse to you that was brought up this week, uh, and it's Matthew 27, verse 46. This was brought up at, at Benita Bazell's funeral. Who Benita was a 47-year-old, uh, you know, godly woman. Who same questions: Why, Lord, did she die? You know, why? Just an awful question. But this is Jesus on the cross. It says, "About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani." That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And the Lord himself had the question of why. The Lord himself had the question of why. So the Lord really has given us 
the, the right to ask that question. If he asks the question, we can ask the question. And I believe it is a very appropriate question when something like this happens is to ask the Lord why. And there's lots of trite answers we could give, uh, but you know we're not looking for trite answers. Uh, I wanted to read something that I actually read Thursday night uh, that was in the newspaper. It's Billy Graham's column. And a lady sent in a question. And the question was, she says, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, and I got breast cancer. Why did this happen to me? What have I done wrong to cause God to do this to me? And let me just read some of what Billy said. I think it's good. I think it's something we need to take to heart. He says, Just because we sincerely try to live the way God wants us to doesn't mean we will be exempt from life's trials and sorrows. We are still part of the human race, and we suffer illness and pain just like everyone else. Jesus said that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's Matthew 5.45. In other words, we often don't know why God allows things like this to come into our lives. We often don't know. But God is sovereign, and even when, his life, when, when life turns against us, He still can be trusted. He hasn't turned His back on you, nor is His love for you any less. After all, His Son suffered far more than you and I will ever suffer when He took all our sins and judgment upon Himself and died on the cross for us. The key issue isn't why God allows bad things to happen to us, however, but how will we react to them? Will we react with fear or anger or resentment, or will we react with faith and trust and peace? And then he goes on and and speaks to her about her relationship with the Lord, about drawing close to the Lord, and he quotes uh, Isaiah 26.3. The Bible says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So what Billy was saying is really one one of the answers to the why question is our response to this, because we really can't necessarily answer the why question. It's just not answerable. It's interesting that this first of this week that Matthew gave me an article written by Randy Clark. This was on Monday. Uh, and the, the title of the article is The Agony of Defeat, Healing and Failure. The Agony of Defeat, Healing and Failure. Turned out to be really the Lord. Uh, and he talks about the reasons that people stop praying for the sick in this article. And let me just read some of the excerpts from his article. He says, As one enters into the ministry of healing, he or she will face the why question many times. Okay, now this is coming from a man who has a very significant healing ministry. He or she will face the why question many times. Learning to press ahead despite the failures, disappointments, and pain of healing ministry, it is in this context that the metal of our commitment to healing ministry is tested and proven. You got that? It is in the context that the metal of our commitment to healing ministry is tested and proven. See, our, our commitment to the gospel this morning, our commitment to the kingdom of heaven is being tested in this situation. It, it really is. It's, it's a test, okay? Then he goes on and says, I believe the emotional impact of failure to be the primary reasons why Christians who believe in healing don't pray for the sick more. I believe the emotional impact of failure. Okay, it's really important to understand when something like this happens, there is going to be an emotional impact whether you pray or you don't pray. But it's much more intense when you pour your heart out in prayer, believe in God, and 
you know, you don't get the apparent answer that you're looking for. You don't get the healing. You don't get the deliverance. The dead are not raised. There is an emotional impact, and we have to understand that that's part of the gospel. That's part of the kingdom of heaven. That's why the Lord allowed, part of the reasons He allowed Mary and Martha to go through this is to teach us, to declare to us, you know, that you're going to suffer this agony. Um, he gives a couple answers to the why, which are also good answers. Number one is humility. In other words, a good answer is, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good answer. Why did Sophie die? I don't know. That's a great answer, is humility. Another one is love. Is the answer of love. Love never fails. The higher way of love is the answer. If we minister in love, even if no healing manifests, we, we will have brought His life to those in need. And I, I, I promise you this, that the Stein family was loved. Okay, even, they didn't, even though this child died, they were loved, and I believe with all my heart they felt loved by the prayers of the people. Listen, I believe I felt the prayers of just being over there. I felt people praying for me so I would, you know, you know do what the Lord wanted me to do in that situation. How much more did they feel His, his love, His prayers? Even they may not be aware of it at this moment, I promise you they are. Um, he goes on and says, It is most important to love God. Now, this is important. It is most important to love God and be known by God than to have answers when failure and healing comes our way. It's more important to love God and to be known by God than to have the answers. That's the most important thing, is love. And I believe that's really you know, where, where we stand today on this, on this why thing, is that we don't have the answer. We don't know. But we do know that the love, the love of God never fails and that we, you know, really have this, you know, heart to love people and, and pray for them and see God touch them in powerful ways. And we will continue to do that. So that's the second thing I wanted to, to share with you. And then the, then the third thing is more from a personal perspective, okay, in, in going through this and having, having gone through it with other people, you know, death, having gone through it on a personal level, you know, you know, and so I want to share with you some things I feel like the Lord showed me um, personally through this that I think could really be a great help. And 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 this is what it is: is having a greater resolve for the kingdom of God. Is having a greater resolve for the kingdom of God. There's this verse Isaiah 53 verse 3. Y'all know this. It says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In other words, Jesus was very well acquainted and connected up with hurting, difficult situations in people's lives. Okay? That's, he exposed himself to that. He put himself in that situation. And I believe that the Lord, what the Lord was showing me, that he, that's the doorway into the kingdom of God and seeing God's power released in a greater way in people's lives is becoming a person who's acquainted with sorrows and grief. Now, that's not a fun thing to do, but let me just read John 11, verse 33 through 35. If you want to put that up, Drew? This is on, in the same story. Jesus finally shows up uh, to minister, and it, of course, he was too late. Lazarus had already been buried and, and dead and buried. And it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, speaking about Mary, okay, at this point in time in the story, and the Jews who came with her weeping, back up, I'm not through. 
He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, I think it's really important for us to understand. Now, there's lots of interpretation of why Jesus was groaning, okay? But I believe in my heart of hearts is Jesus suddenly was entering into their sorrow and entering into their pain, okay? And that's why he began to groan because Jesus felt what they felt. He knew he was going to raise this guy from the dead. You know, he knew that Lazarus was going to live. But he felt what they felt. But I, let me just take a little bit step further. I think Jesus was groaning for all the people who were going to go through things like this in their life. He wasn't just groaning for that moment. He was groaning because he, he was looking down time and he was seeing babies dying. He was seeing people die prematurely. He was seeing the sick. He was seeing the hurt. He was seeing what sin had done to this world. And he was groaning over it because it caused him such pain. And then right after that, it goes on. It says, And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then it says, Jesus wept. One of the you know, famous verses, the shortest verse in the Bible. That Jesus wept. So in the middle, you know, of really um, praying for Sophie... Okay, when we when we got to the hospital Friday morning, it was it was pretty grave. Obviously, at that point in time, you know she she was it was a death watch really. And the doctor even said, you know, we're losing this fight. And and we prayed for her. Uh, you were praying. We were, we laid hands on her and prayed. And you know when you get in a situation like that, you will pray anything you know that you know you're looking for answers. You know, uh, I prayed every prayer I knew to pray. I prayed every way I knew to pray. I mean, I begged, I pleaded, I cast down, I rebuked, I called forth for the answer from heaven, I called forth for God's faith. I mean, any, I mean, I, you know, when you're in that situation, you're just looking for God to do something because you know this is, this is what you've got to do. But, but you know what? There come a moment, you know, after, you know, and, and like I said, I don't pray for, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a distracted guy. It's, if I pray for somebody five minutes, it's a miracle because I get so distracted in prayer. But I was able to pray for about 30 minutes until I felt the Lord release me to stop. And in my heart, I didn't stop because of defeat. I stopped because I felt like I had done what I was supposed to do. I wasn't looking at defeat. I was looking at, I was looking at life. I wasn't looking at death. I wasn't believing. I wasn't giving up in my heart, and I felt at that time, you know, it was time for me to go and, you know, be with, be with David and Tracy, some. And that's when I began to, you know, as the day went on, Lord, where, where is the kingdom of heaven? Where, where is it? In these moments, where is it? You know, because we believe it's real. We believe if we call on heaven that we can see heaven come. But where is it? Because I'm not seeing it, Lord. And the Lord began to speak to me and show me. And he really, I, I'll tell you, this is the place he really spoke to me. It's, it's painful, okay? It's real painful. It's after the baby was, was gone. And as each one of the family members held the baby and wept over the baby, that's where I began to see the door. That's when I began to see the Lord saying, if you can see this little door, and you can see how much I hate sin, and I hate sickness, and I hate death. And you can begin to identify it from my perspective. And you can enter in and see the kingdom of heaven really come. Now that's a humble door to go through. Because nobody wants to go through that door. 
Nobody wants to go through a door of sorrow. But really, that's how the Lord came to us. He came to us in our sorrow. He came and went through that door with us and identified with our sorrow. And, found, and we found God, He found us and we found Him as He entered into our pain. And what the Lord was saying is, is, is what I want you to do is I want you to enter into people's pain even though you can't hardly bear it yourself. But as you really begin to enter it, you'll see how I feel about it. You'll see my heart in it. And what begins to happen to you is, and I, and I don't really understand this, but this is one thing I know. There's one thing about having a, a healing ministry and praying for the sick and wanting to see them healed. That, that's one thing. That, and that's a, a very wonderful thing. It's a very honorable thing. But when you begin to start feeling the way the Lord feels about sickness, the way the Lord feels about death, the way the Lord starts, He feels about the lost, when you start feeling that, it changes things in your heart. There's a change, and I don't understand it. I mean, your motives are certainly tested and cleansed, I believe. But there's something greater in that where God, that's, to me, that's one of the great secrets of seeing God's power come on this earth. It's when we begin to identify with Him those things. It was interesting. Are you all with me on this? And, I, and this is the last thing I, I want to do. Randy said, I believe the emotional impact of failure to be the primary reasons why Christians who believe in healing don't pray for the sick more. The emo- and really, it is that very thing that causes people to back off. That God says, no, it's not meant for you to back off. It's meant for you to press into this. If you will press into this and grab a hold of this, that's where you're going to find the true ministry. That's where you're going to find real kingdom power. Instead of backing off because it hurts so bad and you feel like such an idiot, such a failure, and you want to hang your head down and walk away, he's saying, no, do the exactly opposite. Press into it. Put that scripture up there, Drew, Acts 14, verse 22. It says, you know, this is Paul went about strengthening the souls of of disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We must go through that little door of pain, that little door of sorrow. And as you do that, you start entering more fully into the kingdom of heaven. And then you can begin to see God's power release more. Because think about it. Think about it. What if we just got discouraged and quit praying for the sick? What's going to happen when the next Sophie comes along? Are we going to say to Sophie Stein, it's it's in vain. Because we gave up because we couldn't get you healed. Because there's going to be another one and another one, and another one, because until Jesus returns, we're going to have to fight death. We're going to have to fight sickness. We're going to have to fight sin and destruction. And we can't. It, what it has to do is give us a resolve in our heart to press in further, to push harder, to pray more, to call on God more. And, I, and this is the way I really felt. I felt we, as a church, did all that we could do. I felt the Lord was pleased it was, you know, you did what you were supposed to do. You followed it. You went after it. But he's saying to us now, but don't quit. Don't give up. Chuck had a dream last night. He's not here to share it. He shared it, shared it earlier. In his dream, he was seeing this 
I don't remember exactly what the details of his dream was, but he woke up mad because of Sophie dying. He was mad. Why did she die, Lord? That was his question. Why? And he said, not only why did she die, why did, why did my baby, why did Neil's baby, why anybody's baby in this room who's lost a baby and there's more than, in here than we realize, why did they have to die? And the Lord said, you don't really understand what you're asking. And he said, he told Chuck, Chuck, you need to pick up the sword and fight. That's what you need to do. You don't need to quit. You don't need to give up. You need to fight harder. Fight harder for the next one. And that's really what the Lord is telling us to do. This is what He wants us to see in this. Is don't stop fighting. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Go after it harder. Go after it harder. Go after it harder. Go after it harder. And if you'll do that, if you will let this thing serve you, if you will let defeat, quote, defeat, serve you, then that can be real victory. That can be real victory. I had this dream. That's interesting that the video they showed the guy in the truck with the trash that we just watched had the right answer. So I had this dream last night. I've been praying for three years. This is literally no lie. I feel like three years ago the Lord said, I want you to quit listening to anybody that you don't personally know. I don't want you to listen to any preaching that, unless you personally know these people. If you don't personally know them and know where they're coming up, you don't, I don't want you to listen to us. So I prayed for three years. Lord, you know, I would really like, we used to enjoy going to conferences and stuff. I would really like to go to a conference. And finally the Lord gave me permission to go to one this year. And, and so I'm going to be going to this conference in March. So I've been really looking forward to it, anticipating. Man, I'm excited about this because these people are really, the, you know, Randy Clark's one of the people at this conference, this lady, uh, Heidi Baker, and her husband. And there's a guy from Mozambique going to be there who's actually seen three people raised from the dead under his ministry. And so I, and Bob Jones, I mean, I was just like, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to get to go. And these people are flowing in the direction I want to go. And... This is the Lord, you know, just pumped up in my heart. Well, I had this dream last night. I went to the conference. And I got to the conference, and they said, what we want you to do is we want you to go pick up trash. That's what they told me. I said, uh, well, you know, I was thinking in my head, well, I didn't come here to do anything. I come here to get something. No, we want you to go pick up trash. So I went out with the guy who was picking up trash. He said, well, we just have lots of trash that has to be picked up. I thought, boy, that was a strange dream. And then, then the next part of the dream was there was a, like a breakout session at this conference and they were letting people in the audience say stuff. So I said, well, can I say something? To respond to something somebody said? And they said, yeah. And then this other guy said, no, you can't. And I thought, well, that's, I was fine with it. And then they said, well, this guy knows Bob Jones. I heard them say that. So they went back there and started profusely apologizing to me because they thought I was some friend of this person who's a powerful guy. And I would say, look, I don't care. <laughs> it, it didn't hurt my feelings any. You know? <laughs> Whatever y'all want to do is your deal. And the Lord, I believe the Lord was trying to tell me. In fact, they aggravated. They spent four or five guys back there trying to talk to me and convince me that they didn't mean to offend me. But they didn't, it wasn't, it was like the Lord was saying to me, Byron, this is where you're going to find me. And really, the, one of the people who are doing this conference is, that was one of their things. They minister in a trash dump to homeless kids. And I thought the Lord was saying, you're, gonna find, you're not going to find me, quote, in a conference. You know? That's not where you're going to find me. You really want to find me? Go to the trash pile and find me. 
Go to the hurting. Go to, the, go to people who are suffering. And that's where you're really going to find me. If you really want to find me. You know, and it's not who you know apart from the Lord Himself. That's the, really the person we need to know is, is Jesus. He's the one. It's not, you know, because you're associated. And these are great people. They're not bad people. I mean, it's great to know these people. I like knowing them. But what the Lord was showing me in this dream is just like that trash man. You've got to get down there on the low level. And I'll tell you, there is nothing more low and humbling, okay, than people hurting, people weeping. And you're sitting there, and you're watching them weep, and there's nothing you feel like you can do. Now, that will bring you down, okay? But you see, there comes a point, if you can live it, if you can walk through that, you can walk into the other side of that, I believe, eventually, where there is something you can do about it. Because God has called us to do something about it. He really has. And I think we have a door before us. And it's a door of humility. It's a door of really finding God in the trash pile, so to speak. Finding God in the hurting place, in the low place. And it's a hard there's a There's a door in a church over in Israel. And the door is, is about that high. The doorway into the church. <laughs> this is profound, really. We're just going to build this building. I think I'm going to give us a door like that. Of course, you know, you can't. The building inspector won't let you have a door like that. But really what they were trying to say, if you really want to enter in, you're going to have to, go, you're going to, have to bow down to get through here, baby. You've got to bow your head down to get in this place, to get into the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? And I believe the Lord wants to release that to us. I don't believe in a gospel that we always are in suffering. I believe in a gospel of victory. I really do. But I believe what we had to do is we had to walk through defeat and suffering to see victory. And God, is, there's a world out there that's suffering and defeated. And we can bring them the kingdom of heaven. We really can. But we've got to keep pressing in. We've got to keep going after it. Amen? So I wanted to uh, you know, just end this morning and... If anybody feels like, uh, number one, if this, all right, here it is. Number one, if you are sick this morning, we want to pray for you. Okay? So we want to have, ask the ministry team to come up. We want to pray for the sick. Okay? Number two, if you're discouraged this morning about the Lord, and someone said last week to me, this was at the beginning of the week, I don't believe God's healing anymore. If you feel that way, if there's a discouragement towards pressing in, I want you to come and get prayer to press in. And it doesn't have to be about praying for the sick. It can be just in your life of pressing into what God has for you in your life and believing God and going after God. Okay? I want you to do that. And, you know, we also want to ask the mothers to come up that are having babies. Because I know stuff like this, it is true, it puts fear in your heart about your children. And but the Lord wants to alleviate your fears, all your fears this morning, and set you free.